Welcome into the Scout in the Sports page. I'm the host, Paige Demacos, here with Gary Horton. He's in lovely San Diego. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. We're enjoying the beautiful weather. Welcome to October. We're a quarter of the way into the season, Gary. And my, oh my, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it really uh, uh, interesting week again, Paige. You know, good teams wind up being lousy teams. Lousy teams wind up looking so much better. Uh, I don't know even if we're a quarter of the way through the season. I still don't know if we can really zero in on some of these teams. But I do see some trends yeah. in the league that I think are really interesting. Yeah, and let's start with that, Gary. I know we usually do 10 observations, but we're going to split it up this week because 25 or 25% of the way through the season, we're a quarter of the way into the season, and we should have some idea of what's going on with these teams, but we're looking at overarching trends. So start off with your with your number one trend that you've seen thus far on film. Yeah, I think what's interesting is how the running backs are being used today in pass protection. Uh, you know, backs that struggle in pass pro, we know in the NFL, are two-down players. They come out on third down, but if a back can pick up the blitz, he can stay in on all three downs. And that really gives the offense an advantage because they're not forced to substitute and really tip their hand on whether it's uh, run or pass. Also, if you're a third down back, you can pick up the, uh, the blitz, but you can also serve as a good outlet receiver. It just really gives an offense a lot of freedom. And coaches in this league page will tell you the reason young backs don't play early usually is because they cannot pick up the blitz and they cannot pass block. So it, it, it's a very valued uh, ability, uh, skill, and I think that we're really seeing teams put a lot of emphasis on it. Absolutely, and I think one of the things here is that I remember hearing, you know, is the running back position dead? And I don't think that's what's happening here is we're seeing the league evolve, and now you're seeing how much more valuable it is to have the type of back that you're describing who can pick up the blitz and can be a part of the offense on all the four plays. Um, so it's very interesting to hear you say that because I think the conversation that's been happening over the last few years is, you know, what is going on with the running back position? Is it becoming more of a pass-first league? Is it becoming more, you know, like the college game that's very high offensive intensity? And I think more so it's not It's not that the running back position is not valuable. It's actually more valuable. It's just evolving overall. You're right because you're asking them to do more things than they have in the past. But uh, it's an interesting trend to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Now let's get into your second observation here. We'll go to the defensive side of the ball. Well, uh, so what yeah, are you seeing there? It's actually similar to what we just talked about on offense. It's NFL linebackers in coverage. Uh, again, much like the running back position, linebackers who can't hold up in coverage are guys that come out on third down. They're two down players. That really tips the other side of the ball on, on what you're going to do if you're but if you're not a liability in coverage and i always think of the carolina panthers their three linebackers can stay on the field all three downs not only does that keep them in their base package which makes them strong versus the runner pass but they also then are not tipping what the other what the offense will do because once you go to your sub packages now offenses can match up better. They can come back and run against softer defenses. They can run the ball. So if you've got guys that can stay on the field all three downs, 
I think it gives you a, a real asset in terms of how you match up. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the next the next trend you're seeing, I love we're talking a little bit about these young coaches, I think, of a Sean McVay in the league, and just some of these different gimmick plays that we're seeing that to change up the offense. So what are you seeing as far as trends go with that? Well, I just I love the play calling that we're seeing in today's game. I mean, there's so many fun plays to watch. And I know a lot of these guys coming into the league, these young guys we're talking about, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Alvin Kamara from New Orleans, Cohen from Chicago, uh, Austin from the Rams, Tyreek Hill from Kansas City. These are all guys, a lot of them came from spread offenses in college, so they know how to run all these gimmick plays. And how many have we seen through four weeks, Paige, shovel passes, zone reads, every type of screen imaginable, jet sweeps, reverses, direct snaps to these guys, and creative outlets, outlet passing games. And either of these teams, they may or may not use them on a Sunday, but it gives their opponent something extra to study all week in preparation for them. And I, I just love the fact that not only are these in the playbook, but these coaches have the guts to call these plays. And I know from a player's standpoint, they love the creativity. It makes practice more fun, and they love the idea that the coaches are willing to to throw out these plays. Absolutely. It seems like a little bit of the college game seeping into the NFL game, especially when you, you see these pa- players like the Christian McCaffrey's, the Tariq Cohen's of the world. They're the the NFL is adapting a little bit more to some of these players with where they usually are vice versa. They force them to play their system. It's nice to see some of these younger play callers allow for some of these guys to do what they do best. It's, it's definitely, definitely fun to watch. Now the last thing here is the most frustrating part of a fantasy football owner's team, and that's the tight end. So talk to us about what you're seeing from the tight end position. Well, we've said for years, you know, today's tight end is really a wide receiver in a tight end's body, and we marvel about their athleticism and how they can open up an offense. But I'm seeing offenses now even go beyond that. They're lining up these guys in the backfield. They'll release them on a route to get a linebacker matchup. Uh, In the backfield, they can run a shovel pass, Travis Kelsey, does this as a regular part of the Kansas City offense. They can line up wide or in a slot. Uh, I love the fact of how they'll run combo pick plays with wide receivers. Gronk at New England is famous for lining up wide, coming over the middle and basically screening off the defender so the inside receiver can run a wheel route. And it's basically a pick play that they don't get called. But I just love the creativity of the position. We see more offenses going to two tight ends now, but not necessarily for blocking purposes. They just love the freedom it gives them. And when you have two tight ends in your offense page, as you know, you know a defense is going to have to counter with their base personnel. They can't come in with a lot of sub-packages because you have more size on offense, and that gives you 
really good matchups with these athletic tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see the tight end position get utilized in different ways, and there's just such a variety of what tight ends can do in this league. I think of the Travis Kelseys of the world tonight for a Monday Night Football who is utilized much like a wide receiver in that offense. So it's 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 very interesting to see the Gronks and Travis Kelseys and how they get used. And then I think of in Arizona, you have a guy like Jermaine Gresham when the offensive line is struggling. He's used as mostly as a blocker and uh, goes out and makes some big plays when he needs to. But it, it's definitely one of the most versatile positions in the NFL. No, there's there's no question about it. And Mike Dick and I have had this conversation a uh, hundred times. He, he just he marvels at the evolution of the position from when he played. Remember, he was the first guy that actually split out and able to get free of, of, of you know, bump uh, coverages. And, and George Hallis let him slide out to get a little bit of a free release. But it, we've come a long way since those days. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been a while since Coach Dicka was playing football, that's for sure. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the six observations we have left from Sunday's football games. Welcome back to the Scout in the Sports page. We're back. We gave you our couple of different trends that we've seen so far, and we're going to look at the next six observations that we saw from Sunday's football game. Now, we're going to kick things off. New England, my oh my. Offensively, they look really good. Defensively, they look very poor. Uh, Carolina has not been able to put together a nice offensive performance yet, and they go on the road to New England and put up a nice, nice offensive performance. So what do you see? What are you seeing on film and is it time for Patriots fans to freak out a little bit because their defense is not very good? Well, I think they have to have a concern. Some things they can't fix. We know their edge pass rush is lousy, and I don't know how that's going to get a lot better because they, they can't improve really in, in their personnel that they play. The thing that's really shocking me, though, is the back end of this defense page. I thought going into the season, their secondary was easily their deepest and most talented position on defense, and yet they're not playing even close to expectations. They're losing one-on-one matchups. That bothers me a little bit, but what bothers me even more are their communication problems. They're having breakdowns. They're not passing off one receiver to another guy. Uh, It seems like motion and pre-snap movement seems to bother them. They get caught in bad matchups. These are all things that you just don't see from a Bill Belichick defense. Now, I think on the positive side, the communication problems are probably something that they can fix. And that's that's really good, although they're going to have to do it on a short week because they play on Thursday night. So maybe they'll get better in the secondary, but you don't have they don't have to be a great defense to win a lot of football games. If they're just middle of the road, Tom Brady's good enough to carry him with his offense. But right now, they're not close to being middle of the road. Yeah, it's, I saw Matt Patricia on the sidelines, their defensive coordinator, losing his mind with his defensive players yesterday. So I think it's going to be interesting. We obviously know that Bill Belichick's there. They're going to make some adjustments. But personnel-wise, maybe it's finally caught up to them, the fact that they let every edge rusher they've ever had go in, <laughs> in the offseason because they don't want to pay those guys. And maybe it's finally catching up to them. Yeah, I, I think... 
you have to be a little concerned because uh, you're going to have to play better defense at some point in the season for sure. to be a real deep contender. I know for a fact you're not going on the road to Kansas City and playing an arrowhead in January and playing defense like that if you want to stop that team. So it's going to be going to be very interesting. I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. It's it's they uh they got a there's a couple of things to pay attention to here in the AFC, but it's obviously very early. The next thing, the rookie Deshaun Watson, it's, uh, they put up 57 points yesterday. An unbelievable performance-wise. I know J.J. Watt in the postgame saying, hey, I'm all for them scoring 60 points a game. It makes my job really easy. When you have a defense like that, if you can sustain, now obviously 57 points is a ridiculous amount of offense, but if, they, if you put up 30 points a week, you're probably sitting in a position that you're going to win every football game you're in. Oh, oh, there's no question about it. And I watched the whole game, and I said, this kid doesn't look like a rookie. And I think the, the guy that has to be next to Watson, the happiest guy in Houston, is Bill O'Brien, as head coach, because we know that O'Brien has a complex playbook. Uh, the reason that Watson didn't start at the beginning of the season, I think, is because they thought a rookie could not make the adjustments at the line of scrimmage could not run everything. Now it looks to me like Watson can run that entire playbook. He's so good at the line of scrimmage. We used to see, you know, bootlegs and half rolls and read half the field. Now it looks like he's stepping up to the line of scrimmage. He's reading the entire defense. He's finding matchups. He's got short touch. He's not afraid to throw the deep ball. And as you mentioned, Paige, with their defense, just the opposite of the Patriots. They only have to be a middle-of-the-road offense, you know, to go along with their defense to be a real contender. But I don't think this is uh, – I think this guy is going to be around for a long time. He just looks like there's no stage that's too big for him. He looks totally comfortable, and I think that uh, they'll just get better on offense as they get used to each other. I think what's interesting, I love there's no stage that's too big for him. The The – him coming out of the draft, a lot of criticism about Deshaun Watson, and I think it was always my thing with him was always what stage is bigger, honestly, than what he did against Alabama. I mean, he showed that he not only after losing, after going and playing that game two years ago and losing, the Clemson goes down Alabama. They come back the very next year, and in the fourth quarter on the last drive, he marches all the way down the field on Nick Saban's Alabama defense and scores and wins the national title. I just I always said on my favorite football word, he's got moxie. I never understood the criticism of him coming out of the draft, and I think uh, he's obviously putting a lot of critics to shame now because he looks like a pretty pretty good quarterback. Yeah, and I, th- I think, Paige, a-, a lot of people thought, wow, it's such a different offense from college to the NFL. It's going to take him a long time. I don't think anybody, you know, realized how quick he'd pick up on this, how hard he studied uh, you know, and, and I think it's really the mental improvement that's put him in a position that he is right now because Tom Savage knew this offense forwards and backwards, but he couldn't get it done. Watson's a different kind of animal in this offense. Absolutely. Got a, got a lot more athletic ability and very, very fun to watch. The next one we're going to get into, the NFC West leading L.A. Rams. My, oh, my. Just a year ago, I remember watching the L.A. Rams and being a very frustrated Todd Gurley fantasy football owner because I could not figure out why they could not 
possibly make any type of offensive adjustments for Todd Gurley. He now looks like he could be the best running back in the league, being utilized in a bunch of different positions and in a bunch of different ways. And like we talked about earlier, Sean McVay's offense, this is a lot of fun to watch them play call, and Jared Goff looks like a completely different quarterback. No, they physically beat the Cowboys. This was a well-earned victory, and I love that they're totally in sync with their head coach, and they're only going to get better. They believe in his play calling. Uh, as you said, Todd Gurley looked great. Uh, they're making in-game adjustments. I love what they did on defense, Paige. Uh, Wade Phillips, you know, blitzed a lot in the first half. Prescott really made him play for the, pay for the blitz. He had a lot of one-on-one matchups. And so in the second half, Phillips decided we're going to back off. We'll blitz less. We'll play it safe, and the Cowboys had no answer for it. And it was a little bit of a bend but don't, don't, don't break defense, and they were really good at it. The other thing you notice on this offense, when they have a wide-open passing game like we're seeing now, it forces defenses to sit back and not just crowd the line of screens for Gurley, and that gives him a lot better run lanes. And also the other thing that's starting to develop is Gurley as an outlet receiver. I mean, this guy is starting to catch passes in space. And if that becomes a bigger part of this offense, wow, that's going to be something because you got to get him on the second level. That's a, that's a pretty good weapon. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun to watch him uh, as the fantasy football owner yesterday. He's getting a lot of points and being utilized in a lot of different ways. The next topic we're getting into is the fact that the New York Jets and the New England Patriots have the same record and that the Buffalo Bills, uh, two teams and two teams that we talked about ahead of the season as tanking are clearly, clearly not tanking. Buffalo is three and one after four weeks and the Jets are two and two after putting up some pretty good performances. And I'm questioning whether I know anything about football. This is very bizarre. There's no question. And the Bills have a clear identity. You know, they're going to play solid defense. They're going to limit their mistakes. And they're going to make enough plays on offense to win games. And as good as they are, and especially led by their defense right now, if they get their McCoy run game really going and cooking, and if Taylor's vertical passing game becomes as effective as we saw glimpses of it on Sunday, they're going to be a tough team to beat. So, they may be the real deal and, and, and win a lot more games. The Jets are still the Jets, but you love their fight. And I, they're, they certainly have limitations, but they still have a little bit of an identity. They'll run the football. Hopefully they'll play defense like we saw on Sunday. And then a safe passing game will be a complementary part of their offense. They don't have a lot of weapons. Uh, They don't have a lot of playmakers, much less than Buffalo, but they're playing hard, and at least they're competitive, and that's fun to watch. Absolutely. Those two fan bases have a lot to be excited about right now because they aren't bad, which is what we expected from them. So it's it's much, much better uh, for both of those fan bases, both of those great fan bases in Buffalo and New York who who love their football teams. And uh, I know that I saw a lot of uh, angry New England Patriots fans, which makes for Buffalo people in Buffalo, New York, and in New York City very happy. So that's good for them. No, no, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I totally agree with you on that. All right, the la- couple last things we're going to get into right here is some teams that we thought were going to be elite. 
New England, Tennessee, Atlanta, Dallas. Some of these teams, there was a lot of hype going into the season now that don't look very good. What are you looking at from these teams, and you know what have you seen that's kind of a trend maybe here with all these guys? Well, just, I mean, quickly, you know, all four of the teams I'm thinking of were beat by teams that we at least perceived to be inferior, and now we're starting to see all four teams maybe have real problems. Uh, my first team is New England. We've already talked about them. Bad defense, no pass rush, underachieving secondary. Can't ask Tom Brady to bail you out every week. Tennessee, this offense continues to look out of sync. Uh, the, the, on defense, they have an up-and-down pass rush. Their secondary get exposed by good quarterbacks, but the advantage there, they're in a division that's not really that strong, so they may be able to turn things around if Mariota is healthy. Atlanta is my third team. You know, I worry about their injuries right now. Uh, you know, they have every weapon that you can imagine, you know, on offense, and they should score a lot of points, but their pass rush right now is really hurting. I'm part of its injuries, and that really exposes an up-and-down secondary. But they have a bye week to get healthy, so maybe that's okay. Dallas I, I'm worried about because it, as tough and physical as they are, and we know their identity is in the trenches and their run game, you know, they've been beaten twice this year physically by the Rams, and I believe it was Denver a couple of weeks ago, and they got punched in the mouth in both games. And I didn't think this team, you know, could, could have that happen to them. Their defense didn't play great. We, we know it's not a good defense to start with, but if they don't have a dominating day, they're in a little trouble. So I think these four teams we need to keep an eye on. We thought they were just going to cruise through the season into the playoffs, but uh, there, there are some things to work on, I believe. Yeah, none of those teams are cruising their way to the playoffs. I know that for sure. They all have their own individual issues. The last team we're going to get into, and your last observation, is a team that has a lot of issues. That's the 0-4 New York Giants. That is a big problem, a team that had Super Bowl aspirations heading into this season. And my, oh my, they got real close to stealing a victory yesterday, but they just can't get it done when they need it most, and 0-4 usually means I would like to go back and see, but there's probably never been a playoff team that started off 0-4. No, and I don't think they're going to be able to solve a lot of their problems, Paige. That's the, to me, that's the most discouraging thing. You know, and their inept play on offense, to me, is now starting to trickle down to a defense that held them and kept them in games early, but now they're starting to show some cracks and and the problem is starts with the offensive line they can't pass block anybody therefore eli has to go to a short passing game they have no chance for seven step drops so they go to a ball out quick uh, passing game that's easy to defend and they totally depend on on short passes and yards after catch and if beckham doesn't make three or four spectacular plays they're in huge trouble because they don't have a running game. Uh, they just don't threaten anybody. And what really bothers me is we saw all these things in the summer. You and I could see these things. Are you going to upgrade your run game? Are you going to improve your offensive line? They didn't do it, and they're now paying for it. And you can't improve those things, in my opinion, you know, until the off season. And I, I think that 
they're in for a tough year. They, they, now they face an 0-4 Chargers team this week that you would think they have a, ch- a good chance to beat. But uh, it'll be interesting because the Chargers are used to being booed every week, whether they're home or away. That's true. And, and, and the Giants will now probably experience it this week. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the crowd reacts to them, you know, back at home coming, starting 0-4. And being looks like right now the second best team in the city. Yeah, I. Uh, what's going to happen there is that that game's going to end in a tie, and neither team is going to get a victory. <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen because both those football teams look atrocious for different reasons. But definitely, the New York Giants a, a big disappointment because they had they had a high aspirations. Like you said, we could call out the issues that they had going into the season because you saw the writing on the wall the last few weeks of last season. Eli couldn't get protected. They couldn't move the ball down the field, and they were relying on their defense to do a lot. And it's just defensively they don't have enough to sustain what's going on offensively when their offense can just not stay on the field. So they got some big problems. If you're a New York Giants fan, you probably already tuned out because you're upset and you're – I I get it. I understand. But when you say they're the second-best team in the city, wow, did you think that was going to happen four weeks in? I sure did not. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. But, Gary, thanks for joining me. Uh, Thanks for all your observations this week. And, if you, as always, if you guys want to – Read Gary's work. You can go on fanragsports.com, look up Gary Horton. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Gary Horton NFL. Uh, but, Gary, thanks so much for joining me. We'll be back Wednesday with uh, our preview of the best four games. Uh, looking forward to it, Gary. We'll look forward to it. All right. For Gary Horton, I'm Paige DeMacos. This has been The Scout and the Sports Page.